You know, the cool thing about that is what else would have brought Fred and Sam together to spend time um, most Saturday mornings um, hanging out with each other? Uh, that is also the beauty of service and connecting. And you see how that overlaps with um, discipleship building and uh, to be able to hear the impact of doing something for others, how it does shape us. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about that this morning. So not only has service been important to Fred and Sam, but it's also important to God that we serve others. And we know this because God teaches us this over and over in Scripture. And so I'm going to invite you to listen to two texts this morning. First is an excerpt from a familiar passage from the Gospel of Matthew. And then from uh, the Old Testament, what I would call a companion text from Isaiah 58. And so first, here just a a piece of um, Jesus' teaching about the, the judgment day and the sheep and the goats. From Matthew 25, starting with verse 34, Jesus says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who will receive good things from my father. Inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. Then from Isaiah 58, this is a prophecy that God placed on Isaiah's um, heart and then Isaiah is sharing it with the people. Shout loudly, don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their crime, to the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day, desiring knowledge of my ways like a nation that acted righteously, that didn't abandon their God. They ask me for righteous judgments, wanting to be close to God. Why do we fast and you don't see? Why afflict ourselves and you don't notice? Yet on your fast day, you do whatever you want and oppress all your workers. You quarrel and brawl and then you fast. You hit each other violently with your fists. You shouldn't fast as you are doing today if you want to make your voice heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I choose? A day of self-affliction? Of bending one's head like a reed and of lying down in mourning clothes and ashes? Is this what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Isn't this the fast I choose? Releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke, setting free the mistreated and breaking every yoke. Isn't it sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing the homeless poor into your house? Covering the naked when you see them, not hiding from your own family? 
Then your light will break out like the dawn, and you will be healed quickly. Your own righteousness will walk before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and God will say, I'm here. If you remove the yoke from among you, the finger pointing, the wicked speech, if you open your heart to the hungry and provide abundantly for those who are afflicted, your light will shine in the darkness and your gloom will be like the noon. The Lord will guide you continually and provide for you even in parched places. He will rescue your bones. You will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water that won't run dry. They will rebuild ancient ruins on your account. The foundations of generations past you will restore. You will be called mender of broken walls, restorer of livable streets. If you stop trampling the Sabbath, stop doing whatever you want on my holy day, and consider the Sabbath a delight, sacred to the Lord, honored, and honor it instead of doing things your way, seeking what you want, and doing business as usual. Then, then you will take delight in the Lord. I will let you ride high on the heights of the earth. I will sustain you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is... God's word for all of God's people. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we know that our spiritual life is an ongoing journey. And may your word this morning prepare us for new possibilities and help us to bear fruit in your name. Amen. So with the time that I have remaining this morning, I really want to focus our attention on the scripture that we just heard so that we can deeply understand why service is such a vital part of how God shapes us into transformed disciples. Some of these are hard words that we just heard from scripture. When we think about Jesus separating the sheep and the goats at Judgment Day in Matthew 25, I don't know about you, but I'm often haunted by whether in fact we've done all that we could do for the least of these as if Jesus were right there in front of me. Knowing that we can't do everything for every person in need, how do we make sense of this lesson? Because after all, this was the last teaching in the Gospel of Matthew. This is Jesus' last sermon, his last teaching before the events that led to his crucifixion. So we know this was an important ending point. What's fascinating to me to notice, and I don't know if you did, but this is uh, the point of judgment day. And Jesus, at this time, does not say that the question you will be asked is if you have faith in him, if you have faith in Jesus Christ. No, the decisive criterion of judgment is have you cared for other people in need? How have you served others. And this is why I preach over and over the importance of loving others. Because loving God is vital. It is vital. 
But equally important in the eyes of Jesus is loving your neighbor as yourself, caring for the widows and orphans, lending your hand, lending your coat, sharing your food. Because of this call to serve others, our discipleship cannot possibly happen in isolation. Connecting and relating, like we talked about last week, inevitably leads to opportunities to serve others. But it's this Isaiah passage that connects the value of serving others to our own personal development. And I know it was a long passage, but this prophet helps us take a look, a closer look, in order to, to see what is God trying to tell us about the importance of caring for others. Now let me explain about the fasting. You heard me say that word over and over and you're probably going, what, what does this mean in this particular context? We understand it as a spiritual discipline and where we um, skip a meal or we skip eating food as a way to then spend that time in prayer and reflection and time with God. But it was also here a regular form of ritual and worship as part of the Israelites' um, practice that honored God. It indeed included self-denial as a way of putting God ahead of our needs of, of, of eating. But it was also an opportunity to express penitence, to seek forgiveness for sins, for brokenness in their lives. But at the heart of this text, that what uh, Isaiah is really trying to say on behalf of God is that we can go through every ritualized motion perfectly. We can say the Lord's Prayer perfectly. We can stand up and sit down at all of the right times. We can um, go through our rituals. Uh, but if what is happening in our heart is not what is behind what we are doing, then God knows this. If our motivation is not where it should be, it's not in the right place, God knows this. God responds to proper devotion and not hypocrisy. Be warned, faking it, hypocrisy, is not pleasing to God. So if I made a list then of what Isaiah 58 lists as the problems that the prophet is calling out, um, of the Israelites, it would include the following. Again, hypocrisy is at the top of the list. The people look like they are acting faithfully, but in reality, what they're doing is fake. Uh, he also calls out doing whatever you want on the Sabbath, oppressing your fellow workers, being violent, fighting others, acting miserable in your worship as if you were mourning, as if it was just the worst thing you'd ever, you were just miserable doing, um, being in God's presence. He calls for stopping wicked speech and finger pointing because you and I both know that tears the body down. That does not build the body up. And to stop business as usual living. We know that a transformed disciple's life doesn't look like business as usual. So if this is what we're supposed to avoid or stop doing in our lives, then what is it that God seeks from us? What is pleasing to God? What shows that we are living more fully into God's desires for us? And I would say, what does it mean to love others? So Isaiah says, releasing others from sin, releasing ourselves from sin, to set free the mistreated, 
sharing food with hungry, giving home to the homeless, clothing to the naked. Does this sound familiar? The first time that I read through this, my mind immediately jumped to Jesus' teaching in Matthew about the sheep and the goats. You know Jesus had to have this passage in mind when he was trying to define what does it mean to love others. But here's what Isaiah does that's so important for us this morning. Lest we look at these as simply just a bad list and a good list, let's not do the things on the bad list, let's try and do the things on the good list, it's more than that. God reminds the people that part of living out a servant's heart is that God will bless those who care for those in need, that God longs for salvation for us and not condemnation. And so in our acts of service, God works together growth and beauty and love that grows in our relationship with God as well as the people around us. And this blessing looks a little bit like this. Starting in verse 10, Isaiah begins to say some really beautiful, positive things. So you heard me say that your light will shine, that you will be healed, that God will respond, that if you care for others, God will provide, that God will guide, and that you, you will be delighted in the Lord. So I invite you to look at this list because I don't know about you, but for me in my prayer life, Many of these are the exact things that I pray for God to do in my own life, that I need um, for God to, to do in my life. And so God is saying here that these will flow from God into our lives when we care for others. That this is how God loves us back when we love others in God's name. God shapes and forms and guides us when we give of ourselves and our resource, resources to others. And this, this is the discipleship link between serving others and becoming transformed disciples. So I invite you to think back to a time when one of your best moments of serving someone else. Can you recall a time when you, you really were there for somebody or you did something that mattered, that met an important need? What did you feel like in that moment? Can you remember? My hunch is that as much good as you might have done for someone else, that same good was somehow happening in you. And a maturing disciple recognizes that serving others is not just the right thing to do, but that when all is said and done, it enriches the giver as much as the receiver. Because in the giving, we live like Jesus. We take a step that makes us to, to live more fully into that image of Christ. So here's the main idea with this pathway of service. Isaiah 58 cleverly weaves together what really happens when we as a community value serving others. It's so much more than a random act of kindness. It's so much more than doing the right thing. This kind of service of God is calling for forms of us as a disciple. Um, it forms us as a disciple by weaving together um, the following. Social justice, 
that sense of what is right and just and fair and deserve for all people, not just some. Social justice, woven together with our religious practice, with how it is that we honor and love and worship God, how we form and shape ourselves, woven together with daily relationships. So not only our prayer life with God, but the people that we interact with on a daily, weekly basis, woven together with Sabbath obedience, this sense of, of what do we do um, beyond this worship space that helps us to draw closer to God. A reminder that this is all done in community, not isolation, and that it is done without rewards. So as you mature in your faith and in your relationship with Jesus, service becomes more than just doing service projects at our convenience. Our service matures in its depth and sacrifice as our own discipleship matures. So remember, we've also talked about in the past couple of weeks that there's different growth levels on this journey that we're on. And we use the terms exploring and building, thriving and leading, that these levels also match the, the variety of service opportunities that we have to choose from. So if you're just coming to faith, you might not be ready to go on a two-week mission trip to Guatemala. That's a pretty high investment, a pretty intense experience. But if you are long in the faith, then buying extra groceries at the grocery store might not be stretching our faith enough. We got more in our tank to give. And so there's one other detail about this service pathway that I want to lift up for your, your reflection. When we think of serving and helping others in need, we invite you to think about both internal serving within this community and external serving. What I mean by that is we're really good as a church at serving people beyond the church walls. Uh, we are, are really good at helping to meet needs out in the community. But don't forget that we're also called to build up the body of Christ. So there are service opportunities even within our church family that are important, that we need from one another in order for us to, to be this beautiful witness for others to come and experience and to hear the gospel. So that internal service opportunity might look like helping to serve or clean up at our Thursday night dinner. It might look like taking a month to help greet um, or usher on Sunday mornings. This church has a hard time getting greeters to greet on Sunday morning for some reason, and I don't understand. But that's another example of internal service where we can help build up the body of Christ and helping out. But it's a both and, right? Internal and external. We do both forms of service in order um, to be faithful to what God is calling us to do. So as I close, I'll leave you with one final question. Do you need to consider a next step in this serving pathway? When the time comes and Jesus asks, not if we believe in him, but how have we cared for those in need? What will our response be? Richard Halverson is a former pastor of a Presbyterian church up in Maryland. used the following benediction at the end of all of his services, all of his uh, messages over his many years of ministry. And when I read these words, 
I found them to be very, very powerful because I, I see in them a call that um, God is at the heart of our service wherever we are, whoever we are. And that if we trust in God to use us and to guide us and to shape us um, through serving others in need, um, then we will live more fully into who God um, sees us to be. So hear his, his prayer. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in your being right where you are. Christ, who indwells you by the power of his spirit, wants to do something in and through you. Believe this and go in grace. Go in his love, his power. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.